Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com aware. NFL playoff time is here, and we've teamed up with DraftKings, the official daily fantasy partner of the NFL. Check out the brand new way to play fantasy football with Pick 6. New customers can make their first NFL picks and get up to 100 bucks back in picks credits if their first pick set loses. Select two to six NFL players. Choose if they're going to have more or less of a stat. Track your lineup and compete against others for a shot at huge cash prizes. Getting started is simple. Just download the DraftKings Pick 6 app, sign up using the code BULLYBALL. The crown is yours. Welcome to Bully Ball, presented by DraftKings. As usual, I have Mr. DeMarcus Cousins over there on the other screen. And we have a special guest today, Boogie, Amin Hassan. It's lovely to be reunited with you, my friend. No, this, is, this has been a long time coming, Rachel. <laughs> I love, that's, it, that's all that needs to be said Short in public. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Boogie, the MLK games are today. I love the way the league celebrates this because it's not just the games and, and sort of the stuff that they show to the public in the middle of all the breaks. It's the events that they do around them. I don't know. Were you ever on an MLK Day game? Did you play on one of those? Uh, I've had a few in my career. Yeah. Um, it's always a special day. Um Especially for this league, uh, it's well known this is the predominantly black black league. So uh, just being able to, you know, celebrate and represent something that's um, been overlooked for for many many years, and um, just a small sign of recognition, it, it goes a long way. So um, you know, kudos to the league for that, and um, you know, let's keep pushing the positivity and, and, and the positive messages behind this movement. So uh, it's a beautiful thing, and I'm um, I'm glad that it's celebrated. Yeah, and as I said, it's not just the games. You know, in, in Washington, Atlanta, Memphis this year, uh, they're doing all kinds of events. They're engaging the community. Uh, Memphis, they're doing a lot with the Civil Rights Foundation. So there's a lot of good stuff going on, and really appreciate the NBA for all the work that they put into this day. I know a lot of people at the league office, it's a huge priority. So that's pretty awesome. Uh, guys, we are at the midpoint of the season basically, which, you know, kind of can't believe it's gone this fast. And yet uh, when you're at some of these games right now at this time of the year, you can tell the guys are hitting that midseason lull a little bit, like before the All-Star game. Uh, so they know they're at the midpoint of the season. I can say that. We've had a lot of blowouts lately. Um, but that means for us, we can give out some midseason awards, kind of track who's going where, what they're doing. And of course, we have to start with MVP. And look, reigning MVP Joel Embiid has been a front runner. Certainly on the NBA's official website has been the front runner for most of this season. But here's the thing that's interesting. He has only played 27 of the Sixers' 37 games. And this is the first season we are having that cap put in by the NBA. If you don't play at least 65 games, you cannot be considered for any of these awards. Now, I personally... I don't think that's a very effective way of getting guys to play more games. I think if guys feel it's best in their best interest to rest or if they're hurt or something like that, then they're not going to play. I think it will just eliminate 
some of these guys from postseason awards that we'd like to see in the mix. And I don't know if Joel Embiid is going to be there when we get to the end there. Um, do you think, Boogie, he's your front runner anyway? If he is, is one of the other guys in your mind kind of overtaken him at all? Um, with the way Joel has dominated this season with the games he has played, there's it's no question he's a front runner for MVP. Um, we thought last year was special. He's come in this year and, and taking it to a whole nother level to the point where he's even becoming a better playmaker this season. Um, mm -hmm. But let's say this rule does come into play and it affects Joel with the long-term decision of winning the MVP. Uh, the next person that comes to mind for me is Shea, uh, Shea Gilgis Alexander. Yeah. Um, he's taking that OKC team to a, a whole new level. Uh, he's averaging 30 plus. I mean, the list goes on. His game, his game speaks for itself. But uh, just the way that kid is performing this year is is unbelievable. Top five guard in the league right now. Um, mm -hmm. He's leading his team every night. Um, no one expected them to be this good in the West this year. Uh, they've exceeded expectations. And he's even, you know, elevated the play of Chet to the point where mm -hmm. he's the front runner for me with rookie of the year. So um, mm, we'll get to that. Not, they got a good thing going in OKC right now. So uh, mm -hmm. um, it's, it's, it's obvious that those two young men are, are the reasons behind it. And um, like I said, they've exceeded everybody's expectations for what they would do this season. What about you? I mean, are you are you still on the Embiid bandwagon if he can get there uh, games-wise or someone else? What do you think? Yeah, Boogie stole my answer. I was going to say <laughs> I, think, I think Embiid is the MVP given how well the Sixers have played, uh, especially get, do, dealing with that turmoil. You know when there's stuff going on within the locker room, within the organization, it's not easy to overcome it and go out there and perform every night. And they've done that. They've won at a high clip when he's out there. He's been better than he was a year ago, but if the 65-game rule comes into play, then, yeah, Shea Gilgis-Alexander, 36-6. and six, He's leading the league in steals. And, you know, I just saw him the other night in Miami, and, and what I love about watching him play is he's not explosive. He's not, like, blinding fast. He's kind of like a wave. You know how like you're at the beach yeah. and you see a wave start to form and it's all the way over there? And it never looks like it's fast and all of a sudden it's here. It's like, how'd that happen? That's yep. how he moves. He moves at his own pace, but in those bursts, he gets to where he needs to go. He finishes with either hand. He's so effective. He shoots at every level at the rim, mid-range, three-pointer, free throws. He's incredible. And like Boogie said, we knew they'd be better. We didn't yeah. think they'd be this good. They're, they're they're playing for the number one seed in the West, and and you know they've got it goes beyond him. Obviously, Chet Holmgren has been great. Jalen Williams and Jalen Williams, both of them, I think, are really underrated. And I think it's because most people don't know which one is which. Um, <laughs> I mean, it's real. Like if Jay we, Will, Jay Dub, Jay Dub or Jay Will, right? No, I know. I'm know making a joke though. <laughs> no, but no, but I, I saw someone thing. describe uh, Shay's movement as herky, kind of, and that's what makes him so hard to guard. And I think there's some truth in that, right? Yeah. No, it, it's it, he plays at his own pace. It's it's yeah. it's so weird to watch, but. It's so effective. And it's something that I look at. I said, can you, because I don't think he's a bad athlete, but I'm thinking like, is that something I, can I take tape on Shea Gildas Alexander? Can I teach a bad athlete with good basketball skills to be able to utilize some of that stuff? It's kind of like 
back in the day, we used to have these uh, teaching tapes when I was working in the right. video room. It's yeah. like, this is, hey, you want to know how to off-screen, uh, off-ball screen movement, Reggie Miller and Rip Hamilton. They're not sure. explosive. They're not like 6'9", whatever. They just know how to move. And if you watch right. it, you know how to do it. Paul Pierce footwork. Sam Cassell uh, guard post-up. Mm-hmm. Sam Cassell off rhythm because mm-hmm. he also had this whole motion thing because he wasn't fast, but he knew how to use starting and stopping. And Shade does the same thing. Like I'm watching him with a video coordinator. I'm like, oh, I want to make tape on that and show that to younger pl- players. I'm interested that neither one of you mentioned Nikola Jokic's name at all. I- I'm not saying that he's the front runner, but he is definitely should be in this top three conversation to me. I mean, the other night, he took three shots the other night. He had 16 assists, five blocks, and was the best player on the floor with just three shots. I mean, I don't know who influences games like that. And I know that, you know, he's not playing for this award. You can tell, you know, taking his foot off the gas at times. And he certainly did that toward the end of last season. Uh, We saw what he could do in the playoffs once he was focused again. But I think he's in that top three, you know, last three conversation because he's he still looks amazing out there when you sit down and actually watch a game. I was out in Denver last month and it was just like, it's mind blowing. I mean, he's a special talent. Um, I I don't, I don't think there'll ever be a season as long as this guy's playing where his name won't be mentioned. Isn't in there. Um, he, He just brings too much to the game. His, his value to the game, his productivity, just, Everything he brings is, is always going to shine. And um, him being in Denver and that system being built around him, that, that whole organization being built around him, he's always going to have his his handprints on the game. So um, I don't think there will ever be a season where his name won't be mentioned. Well, he's yeah, in there. I, Shea's in there. Embiid's in there. Uh, Embiid, I want to get another your... name. I want hmm. one more name. Giannis. Hmm. Uh, it's funny to me. I'm watching the Bucks last night against the Kings. And, and I, it's funny to me how everyone's kind of like, What's wrong with the Bucks? How are you gonna fix the Bucks? I'm like, I look at the standings. I'm like, I get it. Okay. Like, there's room for improvement. But like, come on, man. Like, this is they're, they're right up there at the top of the East, one of the best records yeah. in the league. This man is I putting just, up crazy numbers, and we're, and we're just kind of like, I don't know. We, we have this kind of like downgrade of them compared to. Boston and Philadelphia and the other other good teams in the East. But you just know that they need they need to bolster the defense to make sure. the playoff run that they want to make. So that's everyone, especially right now, three weeks before the trade deadline. That's everyone's mindset. But you're right, you're right. I want to get on to Rookie of the Year. Boogie mentioned it. Um, we talked Chet versus Wemby the other week, Boogie. And since then, I, I wanted to pull you guys this quote from Donovan Mitchell. He said, "Quote: He's already a defensive monster. I've played with Rudy Gobert, and to see someone bigger and longer than him, it's pretty wild." So obviously Wemby, I mean, we've heard quotes like this from NBA vets every week. And then you on the Chet side, his numbers shooting are so bonkers. I mean, he is shooting 56% from the floor, nearly 40% on his threes. No rookie who's played like a real volume of games has ever gotten close to that. You mentioned Chet before, Boogie. I mean, are you also on the Chet bandwagon or are you on the Wemby it's, wagon? It's not even close. It's not even close. And I'm not talking about who's a better player. Mm-hmm. That's a long, it's a long career to figure that one out. But who's had the better season? It's not close. Chet's had the better season. He's, he's his shooting is better. Uh, his, by the way, he's a good defensive player too. Wembenyama obviously has made an impact, but Chet's not like a bad defensive player. He's a good defensive player too. He's helping his team win, and I get it. He plays with better players, but 
he's his contribution is out there to me. He's clearly number one. And I'm going to be honest with y'all. Haquez might be too. I'm just going to throw that out there. Wow. Again, it's not about who the the better player is. I'm not talking about who the better player is. I'm talking about who's having the better season. That's all I'm You got to take that one. (laughs) Man, we starting early this morning. (laughs) Wow. Uh, I'm going to have to disagree with that one. Uh, I will agree with you on Chet. Chet, to me, is, you know, the clear-cut favorite right now. Just... The, the shooter numbers, that's one thing, but you you can literally just go watch a game and the eye test alone lets you know this dude is a huge mm-hmm. part of his team. The value that he brings to the team, the way he changes the game for the Thunder, uh, just the eye test alone lets you know this this guy's the real deal. But as far as... And his as, team's winning. And his team is winning. They're, they're number mm-hmm. two in the West right now. That's, that's a tough thing to do. But mm-hmm. as far as who comes in at number two, it's, I'm going with Wimby. Um, you can't deny that talent. You can't deny <laughs> anything this guy brings to the game. Uh, obviously, the organization isn't in the place they want to be right now with making him, you know, shine the way that they want him to. But, you know, that comes with time. Those things will be corrected over time. I I truly trust Popovich and his vision and, and the Spurs organization as well. They've they've done this before, and they've shown that they know what to do with this type situation. So uh, it'll play out the way it's supposed to, but – you just can't deny Wimby's talent and the things that he brings to the game either. So he's my clear I'm not de- too. I'm not denying it. I'm not denying <laughs> the talent. And I'm not denying that Pop and them know what's best for him long term. Mm-hmm. I'm just saying. Rachel, you know this has always been one of my things. I don't like giving an A to the student. I know he's smart. I know he, he knows everything. But you still got to take the test. You can't be like, well, you know, you know, I know this stuff. I don't need. What to do take you the want test. him to do every night? He's he's playing without a point guard, basically. Shoot, shoot, shoot better from the field. He's twenty ten and two. What are we talking like, about? Like, he's, <laughs> his shooting is terrible, man. He's a rookie. Got, he's a rookie. Eight guys hitting it on him. Oh my he's lord! A rookie averaging. You think the attention? You think the attention on him is the same as Wemby? Come on. No, no, but but I'm not talking about the attention. I'm talking about what he's actually doing. And by the way, Hawkins. I mean, defensive attention, like on the floor. Eh, I, I don't know. know. I think. <laughs> oh boy, had, let's look, get on. has had to play with with lineups that don't have Jimmy Butler and Bam out of body. He's had he's had to play a lot more than anybody thought he would this early uh-huh. in his career. You've been spending a lot of time in Miami, and I, I appreciate that about you. <laughs> That's true. But, you know, as Book says, it's early for this. I mean, it's early. Um, (laughs) Let's move on to most improved because we've got a lot of good candidates here. For me, and Boogie's heard me say this every week, Tyrese Maxey, I'm so impressed, scoring six more points a game than last year, almost doubled his assists from last year. And and just overall, I mean, the speed he has, the playmaking has gotten so much better. Um, He's just changed what's possible for that team this year after trading James Harden. Uh, I, I think, I don't know, for me, he's it. But but there are a lot of people who would argue with me. I don't know. What do you think, Boog? Who's your most improved? Oh, it's Tyrese Maxey. Um, oh, yes. Just yes. Stepping, in, <laughs> stepping into that light and replacement of James and, and just and doing it in stride. Like It's like this kid has been here before. Uh, it was almost like he was destined for this moment. Um, the way he's playing, the way he's elevated the sixth esteem after the departure of James. Um I mean, 
the MVP in Joel Embiid, he endorses it. He he pushes for this kid to be aggressive every single night. He mm-hmm. notices the talent. Um, I mean, he was built for it. He was built for this moment, and um, he's showing. Uh, future all-star for sure. When, we don't know, but he will be one. He's dominant. Oh, I think he'll be one next month. I think we'll see him next month. It's a, it's all-star a great chance. Sure. It's a great chance. Yeah. Um, and on top of all of it, he's just a good kid. He's a great he energy. His teammates love yeah. him. Yeah. Um, yeah. He's a joy. You can see the joy that he plays with when he's on the floor. Um, this this was just the perfect situation for the kid. I'm a huge fan of Maxi. Um, it's my UK brother, so uh, he deserves <laughs> this moment. So <laughs> he deserves it. <laughs> I mean, you got anyone else in contention? Maxi's gonna win it. Maxi should win it. I, the only question mm-hmm. I have is, you know, every every once in a while, most improved, we get this weird thing where they vote for someone where we're all like, I thought we already knew he was good. So like yeah. remember when John John Morant won most improved, I like most of, we yeah. already knew he was good. Right. Yeah, I, yeah. The person I wonder about there is Tyrese Halliburton. Is, are, yeah. is someone late to the show gonna be like, oh, he's a lot better? And to give him most improved <laughs> when we're like, we already knew he was good. What are you talking about? But it should yeah. be Maxi. Yeah, yeah. I agree. And Ty- and Halliburton's great. And I was about to say Tyrese, but how can you tell which is which we're talking about? <laughs> um <laughs> yes, Halliburton has been tremendous, but he's been tremendous, like to your point. Uh so I'm I'm all up with that. Coach of the year. Who is your early pick, Boogie? I'm going with my guy Finch with the Timberwolves. Mm. Um You know, last year we saw the trade happen with Rudy Gobert and they put him and Cat together and it early on it looked like a complete fucking disaster. Um Yeah. The, the fact that Finch could come in this year, turn this whole thing around, show that he could have those two bigs play together, and also, you know, move away from Cat being the number one option to realizing that they have a young star, superstar, mm-hmm. in Anthony Edwards. Just the whole adjustment with this team, putting the right pieces around, um, it, it's, it's flowing great for this team. Uh, the Timberwolves look like a team that's going to go into the playoffs and make some noise. Um, and they're all led by, you know, Coach Finch. He's he's done an incredible job with making it work. The offense flows smoothly. The defense is on the string. So everything is going well for this Timberwolves team right now. Where are you, I mean? It, it, this is tough for me. There's so many good names. Finch, for sure. Dagnall in Oklahoma City. Uh, Jamal Mosley, up until recently, they started to fall off and struggle. Yeah. But for the longest time, I was like, Jamal should win it. Based on really no one thought Orlando would no. even be a 500 team, let alone where they were uh, a few weeks ago in terms of competing in the conference. Um, Willie Green, as the Thunder get, excuse me, as the Pelicans get help. Pelicans, yeah. Yeah, so there's a lot of names and it's tough. And Mike Brown, I guess you can't win it back to back years, but. Um, Not anymore. There's there's a there's a lot of good names out there. I'm all right with Finch because of what Boogie said. It wasn't just that no one thought they would be this good. It's that they were such a mess last year, and it's not like yeah. they did more trades or signed new people. It's the same group. They just came back and and were more bought in, I guess, to what the vision is. Yeah, I mean that's that's it for me. I mean, Mark has sort of been the the trendy pick. I mean, you see these midseason things around the league, and 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 sort of even. I don't know, early from, from the first month of the season, people have been talking about him as a coach of the year. He could win it and and there would be nothing wrong with that. I would be like, yep, absolutely, I get it. But he does have, we just finished talking about two elite players on his team. We're talking about a guy who's in the top two or three for MVP. We're talking about the guy that is is sort of been at the top of the rookie ladder for rookie of the year. 
and you look at the impact Finch has had on a team that was just falling apart um, and a trade that looked like an absolute disaster. I think they still paid too much for Rudy Gobert, but at least they're where they intended to be, which is they're at the top of the conference. And and you mentioned it, Boog. Look, Carl Anthony Towns has been a capital S star. I mean, you know what he was doing at Kentucky. You know that, you know, he's drafted number one overall. He has been the face of that team. And having that transition to Ant for a guy like Kat, who is a prideful guy, um, that could have been a mess. I mean, we could really be talking about at this point in the season, man, they got to trade Cap because, you know, he can't get, you know, he can't accept his role and blah, 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 blah. None of that. You, you listen to his interviews. He has been just exceptional. So I give Carl a lot of credit for that. It's him. It's it, he's knows his own mind and he's made that adjustment, but you can't tell me the coach hasn't had an impact on that too. So I, I'm with you, Book. I'm with Finch, but it'll be interesting. I think this one's going to be a close race. So we'll see. Forgot what another happens. name. Forgot another hmm. name. Ime Udoka. Yes. He, yes. Again, I agree. He's why? not going to win it, but I, I agree. No, but, he's in, in the conversation. It's my favorite. T- in the conversation. <laughs> Boogie, we got to get that segment started. Anyway, all right. Um, most surprising team this so far, this year so far. We're going to break this down to East and West. And I'm just going to narrow it down for you guys in the West because this is the conversation. Um, Timberwolves or Thunder, who is your most surprising team so far this year in the West? Uh, I'm going away from both of these guys. Uh, obviously, they're a big surprise with the Thunder and the Wolves. Like, okay, all right, no, all right. Nobody expected this, but I also say nobody expected the Lakers being in the 11th spot. Yeah, surprising can be bad. <laughs> You're we right. We started the season, and it was so much high praise for how they put this yep. well-constructed team together. This was the year uh, yep. Rob Palenka being the thief in the night and, and, and taking Gabe Vincent from the heat. It was just mm-hmm. all this this big, you know, hoorah about how well the Lakers did, and now we're back. Yep. to this situation of, well, what do we need to do to improve the Lakers? <laughs> like, I would say the <laughs> What trades can we make? I mean, yeah. it's, and it's almost kind of a pattern every year. They have these, you know, so-called A-plus off, off-season signings, to, and then we get to the halfway mark, and it's what do we need to improve this team? Um, it's kind of getting old, uh, but I would go with the Lakers. I, I never expected them to be in this spot. At this point in the season. And um, mm-hmm. obviously, it's still time for improvement, but this just wasn't expected with all the praise coming in in the offseason. Yeah. yeah, that's a great point. What about you, I mean? I, I'm going off the board also. I'm going, I'm going with Houston. I just didn't think that they could turn their culture around that quickly in terms of. You're more surprised there. at Houston than Minnesota. Yes. <laughs> Yes. I don't believe you. Absolutely. I'm going to tell you why. I don't believe you. you. I want a time machine. I want a time machine to go back in time to September, late September during training camp and ask you. Because it's real, it's real simple. Minnesota, for whatever problems they had, Carl Anthony Towns, perennial all-star, Rudy Gobert, perennial defensive player of the year, Mike Conley, solid vet who's, who's been winning his entire career pretty much. Um, you know, Kyle and they got, they got, they had the pieces. It's just, they had so much turmoil last year. And obviously Anthony Edwards, superstar in the making. So yeah, yeah. it's like, okay, you had a roster on paper, but because things went wrong last year, that's why we kind of doubted them or whatever. When I look at Houston, I'm like, we, we were all laughing at the Fred Van Vliet deal. We we're like, you gave Fred how much? 
right? And then you signed Dev Green. We thought Dev Green was going to retire after the championship. Now you got another year out of it. And Dylan Brooks, everyone was killing Dylan Brooks as just a uh, you know a guy who's all mouth and not and no game at all. And then Ime Udoka coming in, the disgrace coach or whatever. And for them to come in, they changed the mentality. They made that they're a de- they're a tough ass defense, one of the toughest in the league. The young guys the last year couldn't defend anybody. Now they're all bought in. And most importantly, who of us knew that uh, Alper Shangun, who we forgot on the most improved list, you yeah. could make him the oh, focal point of this true. team. The focal yep. point, not just hey, he's better than what he's shown. He's he's our Jokic. We're gonna play him like Jokic. Yeah. And so for all of those things, uh, that's uh, a lot of surprises. I was like, Houston for me is the biggest surprise. I can't give Emei Coach of the Year. I probably can't give Shangun most improved over Maxi, even though he's greatly improved. But I can't give them my biggest surprise. All right, we're going to do a speed round for the East because we got to get to a break in a minute. But who is your most surprising team in the East? And by the way, as Boogie noted with the Lakers, it could be a bad surprise. It could be a good surprise. Who you guys got? Uh, for the East? Um, yeah, I think we got the standings on the on up here for you, Boog. For the East, I think I would go with um, – it's a surprise, but it's not a surprise. I'm going to go with the Heat. Um, okay. We know in the offseason who their number one target or priority was. That was Damian Lillard. Um, they missed out yeah. on that. They also ended up losing out on a starting guard and Gabe Vincent. So it almost seemed like an offseason where the Heat kind of, you know, weren't really on their toes or, or, or really prepared. And um, with that being said, you just kind of looked at it as if, you know, the Heat will have an average year. But for them to be in fifth with the players that they lost and just – being able to just have these these young undiscovered guys come come into the flow of the team and just every area, man, it's incredible. And yeah, obviously this is something that we see from this Heat organization all the time. But I mean, every time it happens, it, it's it's just you have to get this organization their credit. They do it time and time again. It's a surprise, but it's not a surprise because we've seen it before. But you just got to get the Heat their credit. Um, they're a great organization. They know what they're doing, and they're always going to find a diamond in the rough to replace whatever was, you know, moved on or moved out. So, uh, you know, credit to the Heat. I'm going to go with – if we're stopping at the halfway point, I'm still going Orlando again. Mm-hmm. I think what Jamal has done with that group of guys over time, obviously he got there a couple of years ago, so this is a building in the making, but I didn't think that they could be this good without shooting or without – you know, a, another scorer opposite Bancaro of that caliber. And he's done it again. They, they got a defensive mentality. They guard every night and they get it done. But by the end of the year, I'm making a prediction now. By the end of the year, it's going to be the Knicks. That hmm. OG Ananobi deal, mm. I'm telling y'all, look, at, for about a year and a half, two years, I've been talking about the Knicks have a civil war between the impulse players and the IQ players. <laughs> and slowly but surely, they've been adding more IQ guys yep. and less impulse guys. And now it's like, well, you got Julius Randle who plays on impulse and everybody else out here, whether it's Brunson, whether it's mm-hmm. Hart, whether it's Hartenstein. Now you got OG in the mix, DiVincenzo. Mm-hmm. These are all guys that are playing the game, thinking the game. And that's a dangerous place. I think the Knicks right now, like it's still early, but by the end of the year, I think they're going to be the biggest surprise. 
Yeah. And, and gosh, if they have a great postseason, what's going to happen in the offseason with OG Ananobi? Leon Rose's son is his agent. I can't imagine what's going to happen there. I just don't know. Okay. They're going to cash um, out. <laughs> they go cash out. <laughs> hmm. Is this a long term situation? Let's see. Let's find out. Um, next up, guys, we got to talk about Trey Young. A lot of chatter about the Hawks leading up to the trade deadline here. And the word is they are open for business. Uh, Capella, Hunter, DeJounte Murray has gotten a lot of attention. I'm looking here at the report that Young and Jalen Johnson are the only ones who are, quote, untouchable for the Hawks. So my question was less about where are those guys going to go? We've talked a lot about DeJounte Murray. I'm hearing his name picked up a little bit more here in Los Angeles. So we'll see what comes of that. But I'm thinking more about Trey Young. If you're Trey Young and you are sitting here and you are hearing all of this and reading the same thing we're reading how do you feel about staying in Atlanta? Because we know how talented he is. Uh, you know, look, when he first started his career, he was doing great things. He was also doing some things just habit-wise that were not as strong, got into some conflicts with some coaches over that. Um, I think he has matured. I think he's matured on and off the court. And we keep hearing about the Spurs possibly wanting DeJounte Murray back. If I'm the Spurs... I want Trey Young from that team if I'm going shopping in the Atlanta part of the grocery store. Um, and I don't know, Buggy, if you were Trey Young and you heard that most of your team was available to be traded and you know how talented you are, what do you think? How would you feel? How have you felt in those kinds of situations? Um, if I'm Trey Young, I get ahead of the curve. Um, yeah. It's obvious, it's obvious that his talent is good enough and uh, strong enough to – you know, lead this young team to at one point uh, Eastern Conference Finals. Um, so the talent is there. Um, the part about sports that that bother me and that I basically hate and it's overlooked a lot is the responsibility of these organizations. Um, they're not always on the same page with their superstar players. Sometimes they have superstars and they just completely mishandle them. And um, the situation I'm afraid of with Trey Young is – He'll be he'll remain there too long, and then all of a sudden he becomes the villain. He's the scapegoat. Um, I know from experience, and uh, I know how these organizations work. Once things start to crumble, once things start to fail, the blame game starts, and it usually starts with the player first. And in most cases, I take that back. It usually starts with the coach first, then it's the player's fault, and then on and so forth. So uh, obviously they've moved on from a coach in in Nate McMillan. They've now brought in Quinn Snyder. You know, pretty established guy in this league. The politics come into play. And like I said, once this thing continues to crumble, it's going to be Trey Young's fault to be the villain. And then that's when it, that whole game starts. So uh, if I'm Trey Young, I'm getting out as, as soon as I can. Find you an uh, organization or a situation that's ready to put your talents on display and actually put a winning culture and a winning program around you. So uh, where that situation is, I can't say right now. Uh, it's definitely some takers. But uh, Trey Young has to, has to move on. And uh, it's what's best for him as an individual and his career and his legacy. So uh, that's my advice to Trey. So there's a couple of things going on. Number one is, Rachel, I'm going to bring back a throwback. When, mm -hmm. if, the, if the instructions say you got to bake the cake for 400 degrees for 40 minutes, that don't mean you can crank it up to 800 and it'll be yeah. done in half the time. Yeah, yep. That's what happened in Atlanta. They went to the conference finals. 
look, they, they had a great playoff run, but that mm-hmm. regular season, they were an average team. They were a lower-seeded yep. team, and they hit a, a good stride in the playoffs and got to the conference finals. But we knew, all right, y'all yeah, that was really a com- – it was just no. – you, you had a good run. But yeah. then they behaved like they were that good. And that goes right. from the front office not making the necessary adjustments and additions. And that mm-hmm. goes for even Trey Young. If you remember that next season, he was talking about, yeah, the regular season is kind of boring to us now. Yeah. I'm like, no, 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 no. You're not the Warriors where you've been in the finals five, six years in a row and you can say <laughs> this is boring. You you that's had a good true. playoff run, but this yep. is the work, right? So everyone yep. kind of fell for it and then they came back down to earth to who they were. The other part of it is exactly what Boogie's talking about. And Boogie, you yep. know it better than anybody. When you think about your time in Sacramento, how many GMs, forget about how many coaches you played for, how many GMs you had? Now two you look GMs, at Atlanta. There you go. Two owners, two owners. That's you know, that's new. That's new, right? <laughs> but mm-hmm. if you look at Atlanta, Travis Schlenk was a GM. He's out. Now Landry Fields mm-hmm. is a GM. Coach, yep. yes, we mentioned Nate McMillan. There was Lloyd Pierce before that. Before that. He butted yep. heads with two. So you yep. got three coaches and two GMs. Folks, if the organization is unstable, you can't ask this guy to save it. Right? Nope. LeBron, Kate, there's a handful of guys who even in an unstable organization can bring it all can together. Can overcome it, yeah. Right. But yeah. for the most, the, the the majority of star players, star players, you can't overcome an unstable organization. And Atlanta has been unstable. Until they can say, this is what we're about. This is our culture. We stand by it. You got to buy in. And then start to bring in players who fit that idea. It's always going to be like this. They're good sometimes, they're bad sometimes. And like Boogie said, at the end of the day, the people who get blamed are number one, the coach. We got to get a new coach, but then number two is going to be the star player. You wasn't good enough. Yeah. And, and look, there's already a report out there. Matt Moore, NBA reporter, said that, you know, Trey Young's camp, his agent, has made it known he wouldn't be opposed to a trade. So, I mean, the little bits of little bits of, of <laughs> seed sowing and ground softening are starting to come out a little bit. I mean, I get it if you're a trade. Do you want to sit through another three or four years while the organization gets it back together, especially if they're going to trade away DeJounte Murray, if they're going to trade away some of these other guys? I mean, I guess it depends on who they're getting back. But at some point, he's 25 years old. I think he sees the rest of the league and, and you know, he, he and Luca will always be tied because of that draft, you know, sort of moving on without him. And I, I just, I'm, I'm curious to see what happens there. And if I'm the Hawks and I really am going to see a bunch of these other guys walk out the door, they're not going to have a great rest of the season unless they get something back that I don't expect. And then is Trey's trade value going to be diminished, especially if he gets frustrated and, and there starts to be friction. And then it's like, oh, Trey is a problem again, because you know how that that sentence works. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know. If you're going to make a big move, maybe you make the big move now while his value is so high. I mean, there's a lot of teams out there that need that level of player. Um, you know, that would be a game changer if he was on the open market for a lot of teams. So I'm I'm curious to see what they do. I, certainly, there's no, there's no indication they're looking to deal him. As I said at the top of this segment, like the reporting is he is, quote, untouchable, um, but I don't know. If I'm Trey Young, I am having some conversations uh, to find out what the front office is doing. And and I, I just – I think he's he's such a talent. And there's been so much drama there that kind of gets lost sometimes. But the fans haven't forgotten it. He's still so popular. And I think you watch this guy play basketball, you understand why. So I don't know. I'm keeping an eye with all the DeJounte Murray talk. I'm keeping an eye on Trey Young. You never know. 
We'll see. I don't know. Uh, we got to get back to the West and your town, Amin, because the Suns, yes, the Suns are the subject of, I'll take that bet, presented by DraftKings. This has become one of our favorite segments. Um, so many injuries for this team so far. I will say, I mean, I watched them play the Lakers here in L.A. They look great against the Lakers, but, you know, that's happened. Uh, they look terrible against the Clippers. So, you know, that's happened with the Clippers on the roll they're on. So it's hard to sort of get a sense when these three guys really do get in a rhythm of playing together how they're going to be. But DraftKings is making a bet here. It's on the board. They are minus 225 to make the playoffs, plus 180 to not make the playoffs. So Boogie Cousins. Which bet are you taking that they're going to make the playoffs or they're not going to play, make the playoffs considering those odds too? The Suns will make the playoffs. <laughs> okay. They'll make the playoffs. Um, what will they do in the playoffs? I'm not really sure. This team has been so up and down this season. Obviously, mm-hmm. health has played a huge you know, part in that up and down season. But this team is just too talented um, to not make the playoffs. You got Kevin Durant. You have – you know, Devin Booker, and you now have Bradley Bill in the mix with this team. Um, just having two out of the three of those guys, you have a great chance of making the playoffs. Um, yeah. Is a supporting cast where it needs to be right now for the Suns? I would say no. But um, just with that, those three stars being your foundation, there's no reason for them not to make the playoffs. They're going to make the playoffs. That's not a problem. They're going to make the playoff. If they it's stay a healthy. bet on the board. I am reading the bet I, I on the board. You can go bet on this. I'm, I'm telling the people who are betting they're going to make the playoff <laughs> if they stay healthy. Obviously, that's, that's a big if. Right? Okay, but that's like, like you, there's not a bet on the board that says they'll make the playoffs if, if, they, they, stay if they stay healthy. I'm gonna that's say not the bet the on the board. I mean. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to say I think they're healthy now. They finally, like Brad seems better. Book has yeah. been good for a while. KD's been good all year long. I think they're going to stay healthy. I think they're going to make the playoffs. I think they need a lot of help. I think, yeah. first of all, and and I don't think it's going to happen at trade deadline. This is what happens when all of your money is going to three guys. Three guys. It makes mm-hmm. it very hard to fill out the rest yep. of your roster. So what's happened was all the guys they signed last season, all those minimum guys, those were minimum guys who were going to be minimum no matter what. Right. These yeah. weren't guys in high demand. This was just what was available in the bargain basement. What's right. going to happen is the trade deadline is going to pass and then a bunch of vets are going to get bought out. Guys bought who are out. making yep. way more than minimum who now yep. because they got their money, they can accept minimum. That's the kind of minimum that the Suns needed. They needed guys who are actually worth seven, nine, twelve yep. million dollars, but are coming for minimum. And when they mm-hmm. get into that situation i think they'll be upgrading their roster and and to your concern boogie i think they'll they'll do well in the playoffs when they add some guys through the buyout market and look they're they're in a great position because the buyout market is so much more about what's an attractive place to play especially Mm -hmm. for a vet guy right who's maybe had to be in some cities away from his family or something he doesn't want to be in you've got Phoenix, Arizona, um, you get to live near Amin Hassan, which, I mean, that's obviously the main draw for most of these guys. Great weather, uh, great golf courses, you know, good good party town at night over in Scottsdale, close to L.A., close to Las Vegas, um, you know, and playing with, of course, the main draw, Kevin Durant, Kevin go. Booker, Brad. Like, there, there's nothing about that situation that wouldn't be appealing 
to a vet player. And then they're going to be competing in the buyout market Phoenixes with a bunch of other cities that, you know, if you have the choice to go to some of these other cities, cold weather cities, you know, places that the fan base is, is not as engaged. Um, I think you're going to pick Phoenix. So I, I see value there. I agree with you guys on taking that bet, but I just want to remind you, it's not if they stay healthy, <laughs> you're betting on injury and health too. So, um, I th- still think it's a good bet to take that they're going to make it as opposed to not make it. We got to go to our next segment, which is set a reminder. I want to look at the best matchups and games for this week. Um, Boogie, take a look at this list. Who are you setting a reminder on? On Tuesday, we've got Denver at Philadelphia. Great matchup. Big men. I hope both of those guys play. Um, OKC versus the Clippers. That, I think, is going to be fiery. They've already had some good matchups so far this season. Wednesday, we've got Milwaukee at Cleveland. Cleveland seems to have only gotten better since they've had all of these injuries. So, so I mean, they're coming off hot off that Paris win. Um, Dallas at the Lakers, always Always good when Luca plays LeBron. Just got a mirror image, young and old thing going there. Uh, Friday, we've got Denver at Boston. I expect that to be very good. And Saturday, the two top teams in the West, man. And, and by the way, I think this morning when I woke up, or at least last night when I went to bed, they were tied for number one. It wasn't just one, two, that they were both up there in the number one slot, Minnesota and Oklahoma City. So who, Boogie, is your game? Who's your game of the week there that you're most interested in? Uh, I think I'm going to have to lean with Tuesday, uh, Denver and yeah. Philly. Uh, I got the chance to watch it in person, um, Joel and Jokic go go at it against each other. Um, it's always an incredible matchup. It's great mm-hmm. for TV. It's great for the fans. It's great for the game of basketball. It's what the, the whole game of – it's about the foundation of basketball when these two guys match, match up. Um, mm-hmm. It's old school. It's big versus big. It's just everything you love about the game of ball, you get it on Tuesday night with this matchup. Um, I'm a huge fan of any bigs with a skill set, which both these guys contain. So uh, mm-hmm. this is much watch TV for me. So uh, Tuesday night is the game for me. Man, I, w- I want to pick all these games. <laughs> I know, right? It's a really good schedule. Yeah, these are all good games, yeah, but – I'm gonna go Tuesday, but not that game. I'm gonna go OKC. Oh. Shea Gildas oh. Alexander. When people say Back why in LA, did the Clippers, baby. <laughs> why did the Clippers trade all that stuff away for Paul George? Mm-hmm. The Clippers will tell you, we'll, we would have given more picks. We would have given yep. more picks if we could. No, and Shea they said it the at the time. This is not in hindsight. Yep. They and, said it at the time. Yep. I remember talking to them. They, they knew. They knew that he was mm-hmm. special. They wanted to hold on to him. Oh, this is a real Kentucky day today, huh? We talk about all the Kentucky mm-hmm. guys. But, but you know, that's the one that got – that's the part they regret. They don't regret giving up those mm-hmm. first rounders. They, they regret giving him yep. up. And him being able to come back to that building and show out is just a little bit extra salt on the Clippers. A little extra. A little extra, extra. <laughs> Doom scroll. this is where we – Take a look at all the social media memes, the stuff going on, so you don't have to scroll too much. We'll do the scrolling for you. And by the way, one of the uh, hottest things on the socials this week was Carmelo Anthony uh, talking. He's got a new pod, really good, uh, fun. I would recommend it if you want to take a listen. But uh, he played, of course, for the Nuggets for seven seasons, got to the Western Conference Finals, uh, you know, many, many all-star appearances. And he was a little peeved, guys. And I mean, since being petty is your specialty, I want to direct this first to you. Um, He was a little bit peeved that the Nuggets gave Nikola Jokic his number. His quote was, it's a petty maneuver. 
It wasn't like, oh, we got a lot of numbers to choose from. It was like, here, you've got 15. And y'all put Jokic in the middle of that. He didn't know what the F was going on. I mean, I can swear, right? Mm -hmm. He didn't know what the fuck was going on, is what he said. So (laughs) Melo said it. I'm going to say it. Um, How do you feel, Mr. Petty Amin Al-Hassan, on how Carmelo feels some kind of way about this? He's absolutely right. Because Jokic wasn't a two-time MVP coming into the league. Jokic but Jokic's number as a, a so, previous to the NBA was you, number 15. I'm going to give you a, a, a real-life example of this. When I worked for the Suns, my last year, at the end of that year, we traded Steve Nash. Well, actually, after I left, they traded Steve Nash to the Lakers, right? On the team was Marching Gortat at the time. Marching Gortat went to the team and said, hey, Steve's gone. Can I get number 13 that I've worn my entire life and my entire career? Mm-hmm. And the team told him, get the fuck out of here. Now, March is not a bad guy. He's a good guy. He was just asking, like, okay, 13 is yeah. available. Now, can I wear it? You know better. When you're a franchise, you know, like, hey, this was someone special wore this number. It's not retired officially, but you ain't going to wear this. And especially not going to wear it this soon, right? They knew when they gave out that 15, it wasn't like, oh, that's the number he's always worn. They knew, like, oh, yeah, to hell with Melo. Like, that, that's, to me, I knew instantly. Because here's the thing. If Jokic was a great player coming in, coming in, right, top five person, mm-hmm. hey, I've worn 15 my whole life. They were like, well, this is our new franchise player. We're going to give it to him. No disrespect to Melo. But the fact that a second rounder who was their backup center at the time, because Nurkic was the starter, and they thought he was a nice, yeah. nice young player. They didn't know he was going to be this. That they gave that 15 that quickly, he's Melo's right. They were disrespecting him there. Bug? Uh, it's hard to say. And um, I'm going to just put this on record. Like, the reason I wore number 15 was because of Carmelo Anthony. I'm a huge Carmelo Anthony fan. Nice. Um, he was my favorite player growing up. So, uh, I can see where he's coming from with, with saying that, but uh, I felt it was more so about the breakup between Carmelo and, and, the, and the Denver Nuggets. Um, yeah, we all—it's—it's it's, it's on record. We all know we're, we're well aware that the breakup was nasty and it and it ended in a nasty way. So uh, mm-hmm. them passing the number off to the next guy—it was definitely a petty move. But to their defense, nobody expected Jokic to become this. Um, to kind of piggyback off what he said, Jokic wasn't a top five pick. He wasn't a lottery guy. So nobody expected the talent to even become this. Uh, Was it a petty gesture in the beginning? I believe so it was, but I don't think this was a plan put in place to, you know, kind of put dirt over Melo's legacy and, you know, act like what he did for Denver never happened. Um, Did it kind of play out that way? I would say yes. Um, <laughs> right. And and it's unfortunate. Uh, like I said, nobody knew number 15 would become what he became today. And um, when it comes to giving Melo his flowers in Denver compared to giving Jokic his, mm-hmm. I, I mean, I hate to say it. It's Jokic has done over and beyond what Carmelo did while he mm-hmm. was there. And, and that's just yeah. the facts and the pudding. Um, is it still a slap in the face to Carmelo? A hundred percent it is. But 
you just can't sit and ignore the things that Jokic is doing right now in his career. He brought a championship to the city. He's a two-time MVP. Like, when 15 goes into the Raptors, it will be with Nikola Jokic next to it. And that's just yeah. the facts behind it. Can it be both? Yeah. But, it could be both. Will it be both? I, mean, I doubt it. No, <laughs> it will not be. Uh, Melo's yeah. number was never going into the rafters in that city, not because he did or didn't deserve it, but as Boog says, with the way the breakup was. And it is different than Gortat and, and Steve Nash. I mean, as you, the story as you tell it is that Gortat went to them as soon as Nash left and said, hey, can I just step into this number, which would have been mm-hmm. so disrespectful. Melo has played for, what, four teams since being in Denver? That's I mean – uh, well, yeah. I, I I think I think the, idea, there was space. the point of the story, Rachel, is that the te- when the te- when the team is approached with that request, if they had yeah, you got to decide. Like said, if All the right. relationship was good with Melo, they would have said no. They would have just said no, right. and then the kid would have had to wear fifty-one or some other number. And, right, and right, it happens right. all the time where guys mm-hmm. want yeah, a number, yeah. they can't, and then they end up all wearing right. another number. So it's Petty. He's right. Petty, Petty, Petty. <laughs> Which petty. you know, he's, he's I'm not against. <laughs> I'm not against pettiness, but yeah, I get it. I, normally, I like it when the player's petty because that's more fun, but you know, it's okay. All right, uh, Doom Scroll going down to, I know you saw this all over Instagram. They had a great little little back and forth with Pat Riley and Dwayne Wade. Um, the Heat have announced they are going to put a statue of Dwayne Wade up outside the arena in Miami. I can't think of anything more appropriate for that organization. Um, you know, three titles with that team and just represented what that team meant to the community for so long. And of course, there's other other people in that organization. Zoe is, is someone who I would say, like, if you're talking about guys who might earn a statue in Miami, but Dwayne is the guy who should be the first statue out there. And and I think it's great. His reaction was great. And, and Pat's delivery was great. And it was a really nice moment. But it did get me thinking, who else deserves a statue that doesn't have one yet? Because, I mean, it's a little bit quick for Dwayne to already be getting a statue, which is great and he deserves it. But there are guys who have been waiting a very long time for a statue at certain organizations. I, I don't think the Spurs give it, give out statues. Um, you know, we're not seeing a Tim Duncan statue. Um, I don't know. Who are you waiting for to get a statue who you think, and this has been a little too long from this organization. Who you got, Boogie? Uh, you said the exact name, Tim Duncan. Um, hmm. it's, I think it's an easy decision. Um, He's had probably one of the most incredible careers, like when you really look at it, when it comes to championships, uh, awards, and just winning in general. Like, I don't think you'll ever really see a career like that again. Um, And for some reason, he just doesn't get the praise that most people of that caliber with the resume that he has gets. And I think him getting a statue with the Spurs organization would just be a start in the right direction with praising this guy for the career that he had. So uh, Tim Duncan is more than deserving of a statue. I'm going to go, first of all, I got a lot of names, but they're all playing right now. So we've got to wait a while. <laughs> That's what we're talking think, about. I, yeah. So so of guys that are retired that need a statue. Yes. This guy was, I guess you could call him a rival of Tim Duncan in his prime. Uh, he also made his organization put it on the map. He won an MVP there. He went to a conference finals there. I'm talking about Kevin Garnett Mm -hmm. in Minnesota. He's the best player in the history of that franchise. He's the one that made that, that took that franchise from awful all the time to winning every year. 
They didn't. They couldn't quite contend the whole time because the West was really tough. But he did get a, a 2004 conference finals appearance, but he lost to the Lakers. And MVP. And he won MVP, MVP that year. Yeah. And that's still the best year in the history of Minnesota Timberwolves uh, franchise. So to me, KG would be the guy, the statue outside of uh, the target center. I, I agree. KG, I mean, he's our teammate here. Like, I, I, he he did so much for that organization. But how does Larry Bird not have a statue in Boston? And by the way, before you tell me, there's a plaque with a pair of shoes. That came from Converse. <laughs> that did not come from the Boston Celtics. And then inside the arena, there's like a wooden carving of Larry Bird back in some like museum area or something down inside in the back of the arena. Like, I mean, I'm sorry. Pinocchio is not a statue. Like, that is not what we're talking about here, okay? <laughs> he needs to have a bronze. Well, it's just like this weird wood thing. I hope our producers can find a picture to throw up. Like, it looks like him, but it's it's not what we're talking about. We're talking about bronze. You know, outside that arena is that Bobby Orr statue that's incredible. If you haven't seen it, go look it up on the internet. It is incredible. Maybe our producers can throw that one up too. That is the kind of statue Larry Bird deserves. I'm sorry. He was an icon, not just of the franchise. And I know you go back, you've got the Havlicek's of the world. You've got other players in that organization, but Larry Bird and Magic Johnson saved the NBA. He did more for that team in that era and for the league in general. And I'm sorry, he deserves a statue. And other guys in that organization may too. You've seen the rafters up there. They're very crowded. But he is the one who I would put in front of a building, not tucked away in some corner somewhere, not made out of wood that's going to like deteriorate with chipmunks going at it or woodpeckers in a couple of years. <laughs> I am talking about the real thing, bronze statue of him outside the building. And, and I don't understand why it hasn't happened, frankly. And also, by the way, in Philadelphia, they put their statues out by the practice facility. So Charles Barkley has one. Dr. J has one. Um, you know, they've got a good row out there. And Allen Iverson did a, a post last year saying that that they've told him he's going to get one, which you know how I feel about that. I will say, though, Allen Iverson deserves a statue at the arena, Absolutely. by the way. And so do some of those other guys. Dr. J does. I don't yeah. I, I guess the real estate was to put it in front of the practice facility, but no one goes to the practice facility. The fans don't get to see it or experience it. So the walk of statues they have there at the practice facility is very nice. They've done a very good job. I'm thrilled that AI is going to be there, but I think some of their lights, their big, big names deserve to be at the arena. But I don't know. Larry Bird, he needs an upgrade. That wood marionette thing, not doing it for me. He needs a real statue. Thank you. Right that is my the, TED Talk. Thank you for attending. Does the Bill Russell one count? Because it's outside of City Hall. It's not outside the arena. I don't think that's a I Celtic mean, statue. That's a that's a city of Boston statue. Right. It's like the con it's like the shoes with Larry. It's, it's like everyone's like, oh yeah. yeah, I think it's near Faneuil Hall or something. And people are like, oh no, he's got something. I'm like, first of all, it's got a pair of shoes. It does not have the thing. And second of all, that came from Converse. It did not come from yeah. the Boston commercial. Celtics. I, it's a commercial. Right. <laughs> Look, if if you have statues at the arena that Bobby Orr statue is at the arena, then that is the place you put the statues, right? If they had none, maybe you make an argument that's not where they put them in that city, but but they do. So that is where the Larry Bird statue should go. Thank you. Good night. I appreciate everyone coming tonight. <laughs> <laughs> 
seems like a good place to wrap it up. Thank you for letting me get on my soapbox. Uh, friends out there, I hope you've had as much fun as we have. You can catch all the episodes of Bully Ball on the DraftKings Network. You can also catch us on the All the Smoke Productions YouTube channel. And of course, wherever you get your podcast. If you had fun today, please rate and review us. Five stars. We want them. We need them. We're here for you. We will see you next week. Thank to both of you. I really appreciate it. This was a good time. We'll do it again. Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer incentive set of offers. 15178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe and Summit 4xe models and dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark.